Amen. Well, I hope we're able to uh, enjoy a time of, of singing a little bit together. I appreciate um, my girls stepping up a little and, and uh, being able to, to help out with some of those things. It's certainly a great thing from this end to be able to, to see and be part of, and I hope it uh, comes through for you on, on that side as well. Uh, it's Like I said, it's all a bit, bit weird. Now, we had some issues at the beginning there. Um, you know, on, on Sunday mornings, it's, it's not always easy to keep that uh, volume, the chat open between one another. And uh, we had something going on. We could hear somebody reading scripture somewhere and then found out it was a, a YouTube video running in the background uh, somewhere. But if you, you want to chat or make notes or things, you can do that in the, uh, through Zoom if you're on Zoom in the chat uh, section there. And you can keep doing that uh, through there. Um, we're going to be this morning looking in uh, our passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can turn there. I did email out some notes if you want to follow along with the outline there. It's not, um, not absolutely necessary if you don't want to, but they are, are there if you want to, to follow through and, uh, and follow along that way. Um, while you're doing, we will again have our Wednesday night Bible study on Wednesday evening, um, we're going to finish up the thoughts we've been taking on on attitude, looking at one last, more specific area of attitude that we can uh, consider next Sunday, like we did last week. But next Sunday, we're going to have another uh, Sunday school video prepared, so we'll have that out and emailed and ready for for next weekend. Um, it takes a little bit longer to get these things prepared when we're having to video it and, and do it also. Next weekend, we'll have another Sunday school video ready for all the, the children, and I think it'll be a, an enjoyable one uh, once that's, that's ready. But uh, let's turn our attention a little bit this morning now to God's Word and take a few minutes here. Um, I don't intend to be very long for your benefit. Your, while we've been doing this live stream thing, the average length of my sermons has gone down from an average of 41 to an average of 37. So I guess that's headed in the right direction for, for, for you all. But uh, we're going to look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read the last few verses from verse 12 through verse 18. We'll get to that in, in just a moment. Uh, what I want to talk about this morning is, is this. You may see already that the notes that I've, I've given to you, the sermon is titled A New Normal. And we hear that a lot lately. I know I've certainly heard it a lot in conversations and things around that we've got to get used to this new normal, uh, how things have, have changed and you know, life has changed from what we're used to and we've got to get used to being a little bit more isolated and doing things differently and being more patient and that's probably a good thing for all of us but we need to get used to these, these new things and for us now as we're in this circumstance now, you know, part of that new normal is uh, about restrictions and, and distance and seems a little odd and, and confusing at times. But isn't it amazing how, how quickly things can change? We yeah, talked about that last week, but you know, and, and then for many, even when this whole thing ends when we're, we're out again and, and life starts over and back into to life perhaps more like we would know it. Even for many people, it won't be the same as it was before. 
this event that we're going through, this uh, circumstance we find ourselves in, for many has already dramatically changed lives in the way we interact with people or what our future has in, in hold for us because of uh, loss of, of job or change of circumstances in, in families or whatever. So there's a, a lot of things which may not ever go back to what we were used to before. And so this idea of a new normal uh, carries a lot of truth to it. There is going to be some big change. And as I pondered uh, over Easter and the resurrection over the last few weeks, and, and again through, through this week as I was thinking about it, I was reminded that the resurrection of Jesus Christ marks the beginning of a new normal. It changes everything. So much of, you know, even so much of our Easter celebrations, and, and by that I mean just the broad Easter celebrations, the, the things like the eggs and the little chickens we see all around, all of those sorts of things are designed to speak to us or to represent this, this newness, a new life or a new beginning and, and fresh starts. And so, so much of, of what surrounds Easter, both religious and non-religious, has in it this idea of a new beginning. A new start, or as we'll talk about it this morning, uh, a new normal. Uh, and that was, was certainly true for the disciples, for the apostles. As the, Jesus died and then rose again, you know, for them, everything changed. Whole life changed. And you, you know, the book of Acts documents that transition as they move from what they were and it moves into what God is, is doing in, in life and with his church as he's building it there and moving forward his great, great purpose. But these, these 12 or the 11 who start there with Jesus, after the resurrection, you know, with a little bit of changing and all, they're, they're no longer fishermen. They're no longer tax collectors. They're no longer what they were before. Everything's changed. Life is now something very different. And it was more than just about their vocation changing. It changed who they were. It changed how they lived and why they lived. Everything was different. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. So not far from where we're going to read in just a moment. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things become new. The resurrection, this is the statement which will kind of uh, go through the whole idea here. The resurrection changes everything in your life forever. The resurrection changes everything in your life forever. And it's not just change for change's sake. So the resurrection isn't about changing because we, we want to change it, because God wants to do something different or whatever. The resurrection is about real, lasting, absolutely needed change. It's about the difference that God makes in our life. It sets us on a new path. It begins a new relationship and it starts a new life. And I want to look at that a bit this morning. And so we're going to read through our passage this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily 
at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's take a moment to pray and ask God's blessing on his word this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we seek your guidance and understanding. We ask that you would open our eyes and fill our hearts with joy and rejoicing, not just about what you have done in our lives, but what you are doing in our lives. We thank you and praise you for these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I'm going to take a, a few moments just to look at three thoughts this morning. We've, we've looked at this passage before in times gone by, and I've explained what's going on uh, so much through it, but basically what it is is Paul is using an Old Testament picture where Moses would come down having spoken with God, and he would come back and his face was glowing, and so he'd cover his face uh, so not to frighten the people. And he put a veil over his face, covering the glory that was coming from his, his face. And here Paul uses that as an illustration of what is between us and, and God, what separates us from seeing God, from understanding him and his word and being what he wants us to be. But as we look through this, I want to look at this illustration of what he's saying here. I want to draw some thoughts about here about what he's saying, about what it means for our life, this resurrection and how it, it affects who we are and what it means in our life. And so, as I said before, we're going to look at three points. The first is we're going to we're set on a new path. We begin a new relationship and start a new life. So let's begin where at the beginning where I said you are set on a new Path. Verse 16 of our text says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That veil, like I said before, that veil is uh, covering. It is, what he says here is, is that veil is taken away. He's describing for us what we couldn't see clearly before, now we can. What was hidden, what was blocked from our eyes is now able to be seen, is clear and able to be understood now. The idea behind this that Paul is putting forth is that Jesus, Jesus makes everything, he makes sense of everything. That everything that was confusing and uncertain and not sure now Jesus makes sense of it. All those things we saw in the Old Testament or all this idea of what sin is and the struggle I have with sin and, and what life looks like. When we look at Jesus, it starts to make sense. He sets us free to be able to, to see clearly and to, to think clearly. And he does this by changing the direction of our life. So when I say we're set on a new path, Paul writes for us here in verse 16, he says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord. The resurrection, we are set on a new path to 
the Lord. Our life changes direction because of what has happened in our life, because of, of believing in the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We believe on that. Our, our life, our path of life changes direction. It turns to pursue Jesus. Without Christ in our life, our life is dominated by sinful desires. Our main pursuit is ourself and us. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin has a very predictable path. The way of sin is, is easily seen and understood. It has a predictable path. James describes it like this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There is a very predictable path to our normal life, to the path of, of sin, and that is it leads us straight to death. This path that we're, we're on as we, we live in this, this world, this path of sin, is, it's wide and it's open and it's easy and it feels like we're free because we can go where we want and we can do what we want and that feels to us like freedom. But in the wide open space of, of the life of sin where we can think we can wander and do and, and order our life the way we want, we basically just wander aimlessly to our death. But Jesus sets us on a new path, a path which is leading to life, leading to joy, to satisfaction and to, uh, to, to eternal purpose. Jesus described it this way in, in Matthew and, and in Luke he describes the same thing, talking about, about the paths of life. And one is the wide path which leads to destruction and the other is the narrow path which leads to life eternal. But in Proverbs it talks about it like this. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 23, the fear of the Lord or the, the, uh, the desire to please him, the, the reverence of God, the pursuit of God, the fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction he will not be visited with evil the new path that we're set on is a path that leads us to jesus knowing this paul said in romans that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. It is a path to the Lord. It is a path of freedom. In the context of what uh, Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians here, he's contrasting law and grace. Now, he's not saying that the law is, is bad, but that the purpose of the law is different to what many people and most people think the law is. Most people think that the law is a way to heaven, you know, that we must earn our way there by doing the right thing. So if I keep all the commandments or I do my best and I try hard, then I can work my way up and find some kind of approval from God. 
and then in that approval be allowed to enjoy his eternal blessings. And that's how most religions work. Christianity isn't that way, and that's what Paul is, is getting at that. See, because that's not how the law works. That's not what the law was meant to do. The law wasn't meant to give us a way to heaven, as if we could fill, fill it. James says it this way, uh, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in just one point, you're guilty of all. This, so it doesn't matter if you try to win God's approval by keeping the law. You only need to fail in one small area. And that's enough to obliterate all the good work you've done because God's standard is absolute perfection. Sinlessness. What the law does is the law shows us that we can't earn God's favor. It's condemning. It's not freeing. Romans 7, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we are held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What does this mean? It means I don't find life by trying to do good, but by believing in Jesus. See, the resurrection does, and believing in Jesus' death and resurrection, what it does is it lifts the burden. See, I don't have to try and win God's approval. I don't have to try and strive my way there. I am free, free in the love of God, in the grace of God, in the glory of God. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, I have peace with God. This is why Jesus could say in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is, it's not about that, that burden of trying to keep the law, but we're freed from that. It's a path to a satisfying life. So it's a path to the Lord. It's a path of freedom, and it's a path to a satisfying life. That is, this life isn't all there is. Finding the resurrection and seeing what God does in the resurrection and having it change who we are then gives us a view to what is beyond this life. It gives us hope in what is beyond this life. The temporariness of this life, the things that come and go and knowing that this life is, is only for a short time and it goes in and out and up and down and all around the temporariness of this life, which can sometimes seem futile and, and empty, now takes on a new significance. Because we're looking beyond just what is here to see what is beyond, what is ahead. I'm looking beyond the temporal to the eternal, I see a future which leads me straight to Jesus. Straight to the place where I need to be, where I want to be. The resurrection guarantees us hope and certainty. That's why when, when we begin our text here in verse 12, it says, Therefore, since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech you are set on a new path because of the resurrection but secondly you begin a new relationship verse 18 says but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We enter into, as a result of believing the resurrection, we enter into a glorious relationship. 
verse 14, it says, But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted. They were blinded. Before salvation, we were, we were blinded to God. We assumed, perhaps some of us, that God didn't exist. Or we would make up things about what we thought he was like, because we had no idea what he was really like. So we would assume God was like a certain way, or we thought that if God exists, then he should be like this, because that's how I want God to be, or what I think God should be. And so based on what we thought and what we could see around the world and how we could understand that, we would make assumptions about what God was like, what he looked like, what he acted like, what he should be like. But then after salvation, we realized that all of those thoughts and all of those things that we thought God was like, and the reason why God did things, we found out that that was all wrong. Everything that we, we thought we knew about God before was completely wrong because now we can see who he really is. The effect of the resurrection in my life is that it sets me on a path to know him. You know, here he's talking about that idea of, of being able to take away the veil and now I can see him clearly. I can get to know who he is. This is why verse 14 continues. He says, but their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted uh, in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. There is now nothing between me and God. Is we now have the ability to see God clearly, to understand God, to see him face to face. In this freedom and in this forgiveness, I can, I can genuinely enjoy God's presence. I genuinely enjoy him. I'm not afraid of what he, he, he does or who he is or what he might be like. But now I can actually enjoy God. This is the great climax. This is the great effect of the resurrection. To know God. That's, that's what opens up for me and you as, as a, a, a way, as an effect, as a result of the resurrection is now I can genuinely, fully know who God is. This, this idea, this, this truth that I can know God is the great pursuit of the people of God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That is the pursuit of our life, to know him more and more. This, uh, this truth that, that God can be known is not just our great pursuit, but it is also God's great desire for us. This is what God wants. He wants us to know him in, in John chapter 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. God genuinely wants to be in a relationship with us, to have us know him as he knows us. And so it is our great hope. This is what we spoke about last week when we looked in Job, where Job says, And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. This is right now I pursue to know him, but one day, my great hope is one day I'm going to stand in heaven and I will see my Savior face to face. 
this relationship which we have, which is opened up because of the resurrection, isn't isn't just a formal one. So it isn't about me like like knowing my boss or 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 knowing a, a distant relative or, or or some some distant or cold relationship. It's much better than that. In First John chapter three and verse two, beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when we, sorry, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are his children. This relationship which opens up to us is one of great personalness. It is a glorious relationship which is also a growing relationship. Paul, in this passage, describes it, in verse 18 particularly, describes this relationship like looking in a mirror. Seeing yourself in a mirror. As I look in the mirror, I see myself as God sees me. We read 2 Corinthians 5.17 before, which says we are new creatures. This is old things have passed away. All things have become new. As we look, we see the glory of God. When you look at yourself and you, you see that and you, as a result of the resurrection, what we see is we see the glory of the work of God in us. What he has done in us, the salvation he has brought, the forgiveness, the pardon, the grace that he has shown us. These are all wonderful things that we can see in our life. But we don't just see the glory of what God has done. As we look, we see not just what he has done, but what he is doing that he is still working in me, that he is still growing me and and changing me into what I ought to be, we see the difference that Jesus makes in our life as we grow from glory to glory. James speaks of the Bible like a mirror, that we look into the mirror and we see who we are. And the reason we look into the mirror to see who we are is we can see what we look like now so that we can go into the Word and start changing us to become more like God sees us. So with the help of the Spirit, I become more and more like Jesus. And the beauty of this whole process, and the beauty of what God has done in the resurrection, that there is life eternal, is that one day I will practically be, that is, I will be living actually as God sees me now. As he sees me in his son, in perfection and forgiveness and grace. So because of the resurrection, you have a new path. You begin a new relationship. And finally, you start a new life. A changed life. These truths are true for all of God's people. The resurrection power in our life changes everything. It changes everything. You don't have to earn God's favor for him to, to make your life better. You're just like you didn't have to earn God's favor for you to be saved because you believed him and you believe what he did for you. And so his grace comes into your life and raises you to new life. So once I'm in that new life, I still don't have to try and earn God's favor for him to make me better. He's going to do that. That's part of what the resurrection does in our life. 
When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is actively at work in you. Paul says in Philippians, and this is a verse I have loved since I was a teenager. This is being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is, what Jesus did in you when you believed him for your salvation, when the power of the resurrection took effect in your life, what he started that moment, he is going to continue until it's finished. The day that you meet Jesus face to face. Once you become one of God's children, he begins a work that will continue until you get to heaven. A changed life. But this changed life is a changing life. That's at the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is change. Growth. That's why, pardon me, that's why Jesus came. We're on a path to, to destruction and without hope before Jesus. With Jesus, that all changes. With, with, without change, we would be condemned. If, if life just continued on as it naturally was, we would be condemned, which is why Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe in the name the only begotten Son of God, is condemned already. It doesn't matter where you're from. God wants to make you a new person. He wants us to become all that, that we can be. He wants us to become all that we were created to be. What God intended for us to be. And so from the moment of salvation... He is building us step by step to be conformed into the image of his son, like it says in Romans chapter 8. See, Jesus' resurrection sets a path for a new normal. Genuine, beautiful, and glorious new normal. Not one like we're in now, which is distance and isolation, but one which brings us into a relationship of beauty and glory and, and ever-increasing growth in our lives. Everything changes. We're given a new nature. We're given a new direction in life. Our relationships change for the better. And our life grows in glorious ways. See, Resurrection Sunday, which we celebrated last week, is a wonderful day to remember. And I love Resurrection Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays to be able to celebrate with God's people. And to remember what, what Christ has, has done and to celebrate the reason that Christ came. But the reason that we meet every Sunday and not just on one Sunday to celebrate the resurrection is because the resurrection the power of the resurrection continues on. It's not just a one-time event. It is continuing, growing. What began in your life when you believed Jesus for his death and his resurrection continues in you constantly. Growing in you. In Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 19 and 20, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That is the power that was at work in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. That is what is at work in your life as his child day in and day out. Are you struggling to overcome sin in your life? Are you enjoying God right now? Are you knowing the satisfaction of who he is and being in a relationship with him? Or have you stagnated in your growth? See, Easter, Easter isn't just a reminder of what God has done in your life. It's a reminder of what God is doing in your life. What he continues to do. The resurrection isn't just a moment, an event, but the beginning of a new normal. How can you have this new life? Begin living this new and glorious normal. Believe the Easter message. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. That he paid the debt for sin, which is death. Believe that because he died in perfection, satisfying every requirement of God, he was raised to life after three days. In this, he conquered the power of sin and he conquered the power of death for us. When I believe this, and that's what we call faith, when I believe what Jesus has done for me and I seek his forgiveness, give my life to him, he begins a new life in me. One which only just begins and continues and continues and continues. Will you believe this truth today? And if you did, if you know this truth in your life, are you living in its glory? Are you enjoying the presence of God? Are you seeing him work in your life and glorying in that? As you are reminded that the resurrection isn't just what happened, but the resurrection is what's happening in you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us. That in dying you paid for our sin and in rising you bought us life eternal. Opportunity to be able to live with you, to know you, to enjoy you forever. We pray, dear God, that today as we, we are reminded of these things, that we will grow, that our passion for you will be increased, that we will look to you and the power that is at work in our life now to overcome those sins and those things which we're battling with, to, to help us work through the, 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 the troubles, the, the depressions, the anxieties that we have looking to you for glory, for strength, and for truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, I hope today we've been able to encourage you in what Christ has done in your life and what he is continuing to do. I look forward to being able to see you on Wednesday. If you don't normally join us on Wednesday, although on Sundays it's, it's very much sort of a one-way conversation. On Wednesday we, we talk a little bit more through, through Zoom, so if you want to be able to join that, then um, if you get the email, the information should be on there. Otherwise, you can contact me and, and you can find that and we can interact a, a little bit more and, and stay in contact through the week. Um, but I pray that this week that we can focus not just on what the resurrection was, but what it continues to do in our life. See, as we think through this, as I bring us to a, a close this morning and read our benediction, the resurrection, as I said, wasn't just the, the, begin, the end, but it was the beginning. And it's the beginning of something great, not just what God is doing in us, but what God is doing through us. And so that's why when Jesus leaves the earth, he leaves with these words to his disciples. And these are the words I leave to you this morning from John chapter 20 and verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So let's go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Amen.